two kind of breeds for this. One yeah. is like the standalone event app. So, for example, I worked on CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and I managed the mobile app um, project there. And so we built that. We used EventBase as a partner to make that happen. Not a, anybody that downloads the app can see that. And so EventBase, they are an mobile event app company. That is all they right. do. And anybody can talk, contract with them to configure their app using their product, you know? And then there's other like more SaaS products, like a, like a, a Swoohoo, a Jiffle Now, there's a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of like SaaS products, which is the whole kit and caboodle from registration to the session management, to the digital venue, to the expo portal. That also includes a mobile app and your specific event kind of lives in what's called a container app. And so yeah, I've worked okay. on Swoohoo events. And so you download the Swoohoo app and then there is your event wrapped in the Swoogle app. And then kind of, but the, like the new trend that's starting to happen and that we're seeing a lot more is what's called progressive web apps, which is really this idea that you get rid of the quote unquote old school, like downloadable app. And it really is almost like a, just a wrapper and a super responsive website that comes with its own sets of challenges around connectivity. We talked about Wi-Fi, you know, and stuff yeah. like that earlier. So making sure that that's going to be appropriately responsive is a, is a separate challenge in and of itself. Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 30th of April, 2023. This is your host, Nigel Creaser. And today we've got the second part of my interview with Jen Santos, the events PM. Yeah, I love the idea of being able to be having the kind of the courage, you know, to be willing to go back and say, I know I said yes. And but right, yeah. I can't. This is my timing. You know, and we're both consultants, right? We both have consulting backgrounds. And so as a mm. consultant, or at least the way I was trained was you never say no to your client or it's bad form. You f- or you find alternate ways to say no. You say no in a way that's not a no, right? It's like that improv yes and. It's like, yes, yeah. or why don't we explore this idea? Or yes, we can look at doing this, but then we need to. Here are other priorities. Which of these other things do you want to take off my plate to make this happen? Which other things do you want to take out of scope to make this happen? You know, again, going back to that classic triple yeah. constraint. It's, you know, it's time, money. Time, money. time cost, <laughs> so, time cost, quality, or time cost sc- scope. It varies in, exactly, in depending right? on which one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like yes, I can, but then something else doesn't get done, and so what is it that you don't want to get done? And then you put the onus back on the client, you know, to help yeah. you figure out how to prioritize so they can get done, they can meet, get their objectives met in the best way possible without you literally killing yourself. Yeah, and I think it's 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 an interesting one and. I can see how suddenly um, the opposite happened to um, to what would have been in those physical events where loads of organisations going, oh, we can't afford to do that, or oh, we can't be bothered with getting that bill. That you can only book that um, what's the name Super Bowl event place once every three months because they've got loads of other stuff going. Suddenly, get those massive physical constraints go. And I imagine that a lot of organizations have continued on with that. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. But they're yeah. going, yeah, we'll carry on. We'll keep on doing these virtual events. Actually, yeah. we'll do more of them. Because actually the cost and the return compared to investing that big one 
for us as an organisation, say for example, would have been for somebody having a smaller organisation would go, well, that's easier to do and simpler to do. And um, yeah. and I know I know um, I work a bit with PMI UK, um, and they did some fantastic work doing some digital events over the lockdown period, got awards for it, and they've continued on with those digital events with the supplemented with the physical events, but. Um, Again, in that kind of thing where you're providing essentially pretty much free events to your members, the mm-hmm. the the cost benefit thing kind of just works because I know how much because I, I was involved in the the events team, so, which I forgot about in this conversation. It's just recurred to me that I was one of the volunteers on the events team twenty years ago uh, for the for the Midlands area, and I did get involved a little bit of that background. And I did know some of the things that were weren't working and we're working in the background of those things and finding interesting places to run an event rather than just another Hilton hotel no nothing wrong with Hilton hotels but you know I mean they're 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 of a they're of a kind of a type um and and we ended up doing one in the botanical gardens in uh, in Birmingham which was a really interesting event because then you wandered around these hot houses and then into it was very the room where it was was very much like your, your traditional uh hotel meeting room but the venue itself outside of that was really interesting and another one I went to which wasn't it was a work event actually was in the um, the science museum in Manchester which again somewhere different and then another one I'm just remembering all these different ones that I found it memorable is Cosford Air Base in the UK um, which is a, a museum and you've got spaceships and you've got World War One airplanes up to sort of like fighter jets and things and, and just kind of like mm-hmm. th- those that that ability to be incredibly innovative and finding new events probably changed that your industry a bit didn't it yeah i mean going to backing up to the part where you talked about when the pandemic started i mean because there were no in-person events suddenly digital got the entire event budget Right. Yeah. So pre-pandemic, kind of the digital tools in from talking to other event tech pros, we were kind of like the necessary evil. We need to get yeah. people registered. We need to have a way to get session scheduler. What is the minimum amount of money that we can spend to make that happen <laughs> so we can throw all the money at the expo floor? Right. Yeah, yeah, like it's enough. not quite that dramatic, but it was pretty. It felt pretty yeah, close to that. Yeah, if we um, cut that corner there, we can have 50 more lights on there sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, then suddenly there's no F&B, there's no transportation shuttles to have to pay for, there's no venue to rent, there's no site visit to pay for, like all these things um, no longer happen. And so all that money got turned into making the digital yeah. venue the absolute best thing that it could be. You know, and it has been interesting to watch different organizations go back to in person. You know, I've seen some organizations try to go back to in person and they've struggled because our audience actually really likes the virtual experience. I have seen others like more trade shows, trade shows I think are going to do really well going back to in person because that's, I mean, like you live, you love trade shows, right? Like you live for wandering the expo floor and a virtual expo is just not the same, you know? So I'm working on an RFP right now for a client. And so they want a mobile app and a CMS, no digital venue, Nobody used it last year, so we're not even going to try it again this year. Because, you know, people want to be there in person. They need their phones yeah. so that they can go around, but they, they, they yeah. don't sense, want yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, it really does make sense. And and, 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 and I suppose it's quite difficult for organisations that have that blended 
sort of activity. Um, but then again, I suppose that because because you've got a balance, I suppose you've got to look at it and go, right, I've got a trade show and I've got a set of events. And I know people will come for the trade show, but they're not going to pay for the trade show, but they'll pay for the events. But mm. the other revenue stream of that whole event is the trade show people paying you to be there. Because that, right. that's part of the dynamic, isn't it? But if there's not enough mm-hmm. people there, they're going to be hacked off. And the as you say, the virtuals right. aren't going to sell them something. Sell them a, it, it, there'll be a little bit there, but it's not in the same way, is it? But but the yeah. by having the virtual people, that also supplements the revenue on top yeah. of... Because there'll be if you've got an event in, like say, in Houston, and I'm not going to fly it to Houston... In fact, there's a PMI event, the virtual series that's going on at the moment. It's a free one because I'm a PMI member. Um, I wouldn't have flown out to see to do one of those, but I would go to a virtual one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's the same sort of thing, isn't it? You'll cap some people. You'll capture as extra revenue streams in those digital events. It's interesting you talk yeah. about your mobile app. I'm talking about the fact that obviously within your tech space there, you've got your mobile app and I guess you, you, your mobile watch widgets and things like that mm-hmm. potentially that are, that are yeah. part of that whole delivery um, thing. And I, and I guess those those have got to stay up to date with the bang up to date new phones and all the new different yeah. versions of the phones and all that sort of stuff. But... Is it or is, is it something you take? You've got a bunch of templates that you use for your sort of phone apps. You pull them together and then you use them. Or is it that you've got to go from scratch because you've got to bring that new, unique, new, new experience to each time? Or do you try to try and test it? Or is it a bit of a mix? But yeah, it's um, that's a really good question. Mobile app technology has been changing a lot, a lot in the past few years. You know, there's kind of like from a true app, like allow me to download the mobile app out of the app store to my phone. There's kind of like two, two kind of breeds for this. One is like the standalone event app. So for example, I worked on CES, the consumer electronics show, and I managed the mobile app um, project there. And so we built that, we used EventBase as a partner to make that happen. Not anybody that downloads the app can see that. And so EventBase, they are an mobile event app company that is all they do and anybody can talk contract with them to configure their app using their product you know and then there's other like more SaaS products like a like a a swoohoo just well now there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of like SaaS products which is the whole kit and caboodle from registration to the session management to the digital venue to the expo portal that also includes a mobile app and your specific event kind of lives in what's called a container app and so yeah i've worked on swoohoo events and so you download the swoohoo app and then there is your event wrapped in the swoohoo app and then kind of but the like the new trend that's starting to happen and that we're seeing a lot more is what's called progressive web apps which is really this idea that you get rid of the quote unquote old school like downloadable app and it really is almost like a just a wrapper in a super responsive website that comes with its own sets of challenges around connectivity we talked about wi-fi you know and stuff like that earlier so making sure that that's going to be appropriately responsive is a is a separate challenge in and of itself yeah i imagine that's it isn't it if you've got an app on the phone you're not pulling down data are you or not always you'll be pulling down someday there'll be less data whereas if you're yeah. actually browsing the internet you it, essentially you you've yet so you've got to have bulletproof 
reception yeah. of some description. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Ones. And like event, yeah, some of these app providers, they have an offline mode, right? So like they pull yeah. down the data every yeah. whatever time, 15 minutes, half hour, and that's cached on the, on the device, which is great. Like traveling internationally, people don't want to necessarily pay for data, right? There's no. a, you get into a crowded expo, the Wi-Fi might not work. <laughs> You know, yeah. and so yeah. you need to, this, the offline capabilities and there's a trade-off there that needs to be considered by every event tech pro. Yeah, I never thought about that that sort of mobile app stuff. And, the, and there's another question I'm going to ask you now, and I don't know if this is going to be a bit off to one side really, but it just made me think about like with the mobile apps and the tech and all that sort of stuff. And with the latest tech trends uh, that are right there at the moment and mm-hmm. ChatGPT4 that I've seen coming out mm-hmm. and those technology things how do you see um that what well two things really influencing your ability to deliver your projects um uh these event projects as i i see them um and how do you see them how do you see it being used in uh, for the for the the attendees at these events and how that Mm -hmm. might be used or is it already happening I mean, it's already happening. I mean, I remember years ago, pre-pandemic, right? There was already, you could go to events, some of these attack events, people had the VR helmets, right? And stuff like that. You could go and you could test some of this stuff out. So that's already been around for quite a while. Um, I think that looking at like VR, AR, location services, chat, GPT, that that it's going to be interesting. I'm not really sure. I have a couple of theories. I think that... um, as much as event organizers would love to start using a lot more AI for predictive services, for personalized recommendations, or truly personalized services, I think that particularly when you start dealing with the larger companies, you're going to run into problems with legal and compliance and privacy and all those sorts yeah. of things that event planners are going to have to try to work through, right? Um, where I do see some cool stuff potentially happening and maybe this is the big breakthrough here is like under vr ar like when it comes to networking and it comes to meetings you alluded to this a while back about the idea of not wanting to get on a plane to go to a pmi event you know that's one of the things the pandemic was able to do it was able to make events accessible to a lot more people who yeah. couldn't travel, literally can't get in an airplane, they don't have the funding, they can't get away, they have a disability, whatever the case might be. And so we suddenly opened up this whole new world to them. We took Pandora out of the box. And yeah, I yeah. think as an industry, it would be, I'm going to say it, irresponsible for us to try to close that box again. Um, yeah. Not just from a revenue standpoint, but just from a making the plan a better standpoint. I yeah. don't think we should try to close that box again. Yeah, of course, because obviously the event uh, from a um, climate point of view, the event, That's as it. you say, fly, flying to any thousand people to a building somewhere that you could deliver the same content as well without flying them there or them flying there. As you say, it's kind of you. You need to consider it, don't you? You need to be able to say, actually, okay, let's let's make sure make it a five thousand people event, make it. But again, there's there's different pros and cons with all of those sort of things, and it? it's kind of yeah. and it, and it and it. I kind of sit there thinking about the AR point, that, like VR. Right, it's my own personal view here, and we're kind of going. I told you we're going a rabbit hole somewhere, didn't I? Um, <laughs> my whole thing about the VR and the the goggles in your hands and. And uh, playing uh, like Ready Player One, 
the the image of people running around the town like that with them with their goggles on. I can't. I still can't see it myself. Uh, plus the fact I get seasick when I use the damn thing. So um, it, it's uh, it, yeah. So uh, maybe it's age thing with me. Um, I'm thinking AR. I see differently. I, I I can see the the time where a pair of what would look like a pair of safety goggles um, that have a, a screen in there that can augment. And if you are at an event, that augmented reality using those things there is that you won't necessarily always need the physical stuff there. And you'll have John, who's at home, walking along with you in the AR point of view in the corner, having a chat or in that session. Or uh, I can see that kind of thing happening eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a way away, I think. But it, I, I just, I, I'd be, I I'd be fascinated to see in that because I think it would be that way it can that it adds there'll be certain things that you can't bring to an event that you'd want to bring to an event and you could do through the virtual medium and and Mm -hmm. i I just i think it's it's ways of of doing it and it would be fascinating to see how how it um how it transpires those those changes and those integrations and and kind of how you're using on your phone going right what i want to asking chat gpt so right I, I want to go to a session that will teach me this right and i want to find six trade shows because i'm interested in doing x y and z and being able to take your data from the event use that kind of engine to go well here there's the routes on your phone now for you to get that information that you're after that yeah. that experience as an individual going to that event means i'm not wandering up and down the rows picking up pens i don't want and bags that i don't need and leaflets that i don't want because i'll pick them up if they're giving it me if it's free i'll take them do you know what i mean so it'll <laughs> save on the environment it'll save me carrying stuff home and then throwing it away um and it would take me with those and those people who've got less time because to be fair those those events can be exhausting as well can't they as an individual when you're consuming them it matter how enjoyable they are. And you know, I always find in anything like that, certainly on the trade events, I never get to all the places I wanted to look in because I get distracted by other stuff. But mm-hmm. if I had a, a route round to them that's um, curated for me, but it, to do to do that curation on, an, if you like say, you've got 20,000 people turning up at an event and you've got trade show, to curate it individually by a team a team is impossible, isn't it? Well, it's not impossible, it's just yeah. expensive. Yeah. But can these technologies help with that curation and enhance that experience for people? And that, Yeah, it, can... I've been looking in... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's where I really think that, you know, this AI has a lot of potential the data yeah. privacy and then there's also this idea of you know this isn't big data when you're talking 20,000 people 20,000 people may feel like a lot of people but really when yeah. you talk about like machine learning and stuff you need a lot yeah, bigger not, data sets to make that yeah, it's not statistically significant that, is it yeah we've been struggling with that for a while in the industry at least on the teams i've been working on which is like how do you get good enough data on these people fast enough to make it relevant and then particularly yeah. thinking about people yeah, okay, so Steve's been going to the same event for seven years, and he's job hopped three times in there. So what I knew about Steve six years ago is not relevant, particularly to the Steve who I know today. No. You know, and it's just, it's really, it gets really, really difficult. Um, 
I mean, we're working on it, but I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch evolve over time. But the tech's getting better and better, and it'll continue to get better and better. And I think there's some organizations yeah. that'll be super happy to adopt it and like be the, hey, we're going to try this thing because that's who we are as a company. And then there's going to be other companies that are kind of like, yeah, we're going to see how they, how it goes for them because, right, they're just more conservative in their events philosophy. They yeah. want to do it, but they need to see somebody else succeed at it first. I mean, it's normal. Yeah, standard the early adopter, non adopters in this sort of thing and, and, and that mm -hmm. whole thing. So thinking now about uh so coming up on uh, sort of fifty minutes now, kind of thinking about your the, the sort of the audience a little bit, my audience a bit on this. Yeah. What what would you how would you describe the the key differences between those events that you run and the tech that you deliver for those events? To your experience of other projects, what were those? And I, I know we've got that that fixed time scale, but what were the, what were the what did you do differently that you compared to what you would have done in a run of the mill project? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, the first thing is you know events. You've done some events um, that events have a terminology and a flow just the industry level of industry knowledge required to do an event really really well is fairly high right and there's you're immediately start drinking from a fire hose in these things there's kind of no like way to ease yourself in there's yeah. no well, three month on wrap period the way that you know when you do dev you kind of plan yeah 90 days to bring them up to speed no you get 90 seconds to get up to speed in the events industry it's just the yeah, nature okay. of the industry right Budgets are always super constrained every single year. Do more with less every single year. Um, so that is kind of like one thing is just like being prepared with the terminology is a really big thing to me. Um, and then the other big shift that I really noticed when I went into events is this idea of it takes a village. And there are so many mm -hmm. different vendor teams that you are going to be working with as you put on this event. It's much more cross company collaboration than I have seen any place else or any other industry that I worked in. You know, I might be collaborating with 20 different companies to get just on the event tech side to get something off the ground, right? Because I have to coordinate with the scanner scanning and transportation and the F&B people and the digital signage people and AV and the video folks. And then maybe my event tech stack itself has three or four different suppliers on it. And so there's just a lot of different teams involved. And then you figuring out load in and load out times. Anyway, there's all these sorts of pieces that end up influencing the event tech. So and getting everybody to work together when it's, I'm not going to say it is in their best interest to do so, but not everybody necessarily, like any company, not everybody shows up with this kind of collaboration mindset, right? And so to yeah. get everybody on the same page, again, we're village people, get everybody thinking in this kind of we succeed or we fail as a team mentality is definitely been a challenge when you have so many different companies that are all trying to kind of get ahead. And do, do you find someone who's the, the sort of, whether they're event director or whatever they're called, that, that, that lead, who's leading the overall event, do, uh, do they behave in that project sponsor role or do they behave in more of a program manager role? How, how, do, you, how do you see it? Or is there a mix? Yeah, so 
typically the events I work on, there's like a digital experience lead, right? And so like we'll be I yeah. almost always on the supplier side. So we'll be doing our supplier thing and then we've got a digital experience lead that works for the client. And so they are managing the digital experience. And then from there we have the event owner, the overall event planner. But their job is to get the different kind of work stream leads at a broad level of the word work stream, yeah. kind of like working together. So I guess you could think of them, they work in a, pro in a program management role. If we take it back to traditional yeah. like project management, they are the program managers. They have their whole slew of project managers underneath them. Do we have project yeah. managers underneath them? <laughs> it's like it making a film, isn't it? Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really the, is. that's the that's the thing I, I I've talked to I've, I've, one guy who's in the film industry and it's kind of maybe I need to get hold of I'm not sure whether it would be a producer I guess it's a producer probably rather than a director to um to in the film industry to talk to one of them about the same sort of thing because I look at it and I go yeah you've got a project there for eighteen months to make a film whether it from the and from the point of script writing to digital effect finalizing and and um social media promotion straight out it's a project isn't it and and mm -hmm. kind of again i suppose that's you've got a bit of a launch event with a lot of those as well and it's yeah, similar no, similar sort of thing isn't it that's a fantastic analogy that never crossed my mind but i love it because it has a lot of the very same actually a lot of the same yeah. elements to it um yeah, yeah. yeah. well food and beverage is is key for yeah craft table right <laughs> that's what they call it yeah. i think the craft table yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's um, uh, that what we see as traditional projects, certainly my, me from the IT industry, I'm not sure about others, but I just, the more often, and, and I suppose it's a little bit towards the way society's changing as well. The more things are managed in a ma in a mindset of project management, and and mm -hmm. and how using those tools, as I say, it's a life skill. It's not it's not simple. That I think the fact that, and I say this nearly every week about the. Uh, the fact that the only place that they haven't really got project managers is on The Apprentice, where they call them project managers, and that's kind of where it just uh, yeah winds me up a little bit. Not one of them would know what a Gantt chart was if it hit them with a stick. Um, <laughs> and they are showing off my waterfall skills there rather than my agile. But hey, so um, I'm just thinking we're just coming up on, on the hour now. Um, and uh, thank you so much for giving me so much time. Uh, it's it's a fascinating. It's a it's an area that I, I could think I could sit here and go right. Okay, I'd love to sit there and see that see the, that that mission control in the cafe where you're all doing it and seeing you. All right, this is all gone pear shaped. How are we going to solve this? I'd love to be uh, a fly on the wall. I wouldn't want to be responsible for it, but uh, um, be, be really interesting seeing all that. Um, if there was, say, say, for example, as someone who wanted to get into this kind of industry and kind of get into this, what what sort of things would you, what couple of things would you say? And then, then is there anything else that you wanted to chat about um, uh, just for the last few minutes? Yeah, so I guess I would say that it is, as you've already heard, a fun, dynamic industry. And I will also say that if you're interested in getting into event tech, you don't necessarily need to be technical. You don't need to have come up through the programmer ranks. You need to be the person that grandma goes to to reset the router on your on the, on the household Wi-Fi. But like, that's it. As long as you kind of have good organizational skills, you are an excellent capper, aka project manager, um, and you have a technical bent, I think, and you think events would be fun, you could be super, super successful doing it. If I can make a plug for my own thing. Um, yeah. I am launching the Smart Event Academy, which is specifically our first course at Smart Event Foundations, which is a training 
program and certification program for people that are interested in becoming event tech project managers. We take you through a mock event um, using real event tech to kind of get people oh, wow. to understand understand the vocabulary, understand the rhythm, understand the attendee slash customer journey, how to manage clients, what all these different work streams are, what a knock is, because I used that phrase earlier and I didn't explain it, network operating uh, center, um, all those sorts of things. And so we have cohorts launching. So network, I think that, what? That, that sounds like, that sounds, I was going to say network operating center. I can imagine that being a, that's more like a mission control. Yes, that is totally like a mission control. I'm never allowed in it. Um, so yeah. there was a oh, it's Jen. No, we're not. No, no, no. She doesn't need to come in. So um, anyway, a cohort starting every single month. Um, and then, Excellent. you know what? I don't, I have really, really enjoyed the conversation. I cannot believe it has been an hour already. I could go like another two hours of you just like rat holing on this. So thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's been brilliant. So, so finally, if if people want to get hold of you, want to find out more, um, where's the best place to get hold of you? I am on LinkedIn all day, every day. Don't. It was just one minute. Anyway, uh, don't tell my clients that. And then I'm also. I, I, at, I know the feeling. Yeah, and then um, I'm at SmartEventAcademy.com as well. But LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me directly. Brilliant, superb. So thank you very much and uh, good luck with your next event whenever that is coming along. Um, and uh, like, like I say, it's a, it's a fascinating area and it's a there's so many tangential and so many entirely different elements to it. That's just fascinates me. So uh, thank you very much and I hope you have a wonderful evening this evening. Thank you, you too. Cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jen. Some of the scale and size of things, and as I've mentioned before, I've always fancied looking behind the curtain of uh, all of the uh, events that I go to and conferences. Um, nice to get behind there and understand how it all ticks. Um, come back next week when um, we'll have another fascinating guest. Cheers now. So this is my final wrap up. Every week you're going to hear this. You're going to get bored of it, but you can always click next podcast if so. Um, if you have enjoyed it, if you listen to this podcast to the end of this uh, show and you think that was great, I'd love to be able to help Nigel. out. Um, there are loads of ways you can do it. Um, the, the first and, and obvious way is to um, share the podcast, send it out to people. Um, if you if you know colleagues and friends who'd benefit from it, you think they'd enjoy it, just send them the link. Grab one of the links send, or send them to www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts. That's ni- www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts. And that will push them over to a, um, a link tree link and it's got all of the different ways they can consume the, the podcast. Uh, if you are feeling generous and have a big bag of cash, you could grab a copy of one of my books. Obviously, um, uh, they're available in all the usual places, and print and, and, and digital. Again, jump on the website, 
www.nigelcreaser.com slash shop and that will give you a list of all the different ways that you can contribute um, and, and grab copies of the book also got um, links to all my guests books on there as well where I get a little bit of a kickback from them um, if you are of a sporting mind um, I have a number through doing some of my um, judo and, and running uh, antics uh, I've managed to secure a few um, uh, affiliate links and affiliates uh, there as well so in there somewhere in the sponsors page there's links to those as well so clicking onto those and grabbing uh, your if you're with it if you're looking to uh, get super fit then that would be fabulous as well and I get a little kickback from those uh, I have a patreon account it's patreon.com slash sunday lunch pm uh, so again you can ping something in there buy me a coffee or whatever and finally obviously the most important is coming back coming back listen again um, because uh, the more of you that come back uh, the more uh, visibility I get because there's more times that it's downloaded and all the SEO works and things like that so yeah that's it so uh, if you can help me out I would be much appreciated if you can't don't worry about it thank you very much cheers now bye well it's goodbye from me Nigel Creaser and it's goodbye from him the Sunday Lunch PM goodbye <laughs>